your resources as an entrepreneur will change time and time again, but your source will never change. You're listening to the FYI podcast where we talk about all things young adulting, your faith, your life, your mental health, your finances, your relationships, so much more. And I'm Josiah Keneally. And I'm Mikey Keneally. We are the hosts of the FYI podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Venture. Venture is a church planting and community development nonprofit that really works with the toughest places of the world, serving war refugees, trafficked people, Mm -hmm. oppressed children, and the unreached. And through Venture Miles, you can make your miles matter by going on adventure hikes. You can go biking, running, raising funds, and also bringing forth awareness in the process. Look, Venture is something that we are both incredibly passionate about. We give to and support. And Mm -hmm. man, we're both Venture alumni of different programs and runs. And we'd encourage you to check out more at www.youngadults.today slash partners. Imagine if you could go and talk to some of the greatest leaders all around the world and ask them one simple question. What is your daily prayer life like? Well, myself and Cam Doolittle and Peter Greer were able to do this with amazing leaders like Francis Chan and John Mark Comer, John Ortberg, Johnny Erickson Tata. And then we expanded our search to global church leaders in six different continents whose ministry and leadership covers over 100 different countries. And what we discovered was absolutely incredible. People around the world were being led by the Holy Spirit to have similar prayer lives, from a New York financier to someone working in a refugee camp in a war zone. Their prayer lives started looking similar and their patterns were emerging. And we took all those patterns and put them together in a book called Lead with Prayer, a study in the prayer lives of extraordinary leaders around the world. There's a study that said that a supermajority of leaders are not satisfied with their prayer lives and the prayer culture where they lead. And this book, we're praying, can launch a movement of prayer amongst leaders. And this is a chance for all of us to sit at the feet of praying leaders around the world and learn how to pray as leaders. Imagine what would happen if God's leaders around the world started truly becoming people of prayer. It could change everything. Today, we are launching a mini series on startups. And so maybe you're passionate in 2024 about a dream that God's given you, or you can't shake a vision or an idea. There's a problem that you want to solve. There's a wrong that you want to right. We are in a mini series and each Friday we'll be launching new episodes. So we appreciate you liking, subscribing, and sharing this with other young adults who may find it beneficial on their journey of life and leadership. Today's guest is the founder of Nine Businesses, uh, Riley Meek. Welcome to the show today. Hey, Josiah. Happy to be here, man. So grateful for you. And really, Riley is an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and the founder of the King's Council. We'll talk more about that, but this King's Council is a community designed to serve and equip leaders who are entrepreneurs, and we all need tools, systems, a blueprint, frameworks that are necessary to discover develop and deploy their God-given vision into the marketplace. And we are launching a brand new year, 2024. Happy New Year, Mick. Can you just start by sharing some of your story of, honestly, entrepreneurship? Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. I'll I'll do my darndest to keep this short and sweet. Uh, That's what my wife calls me, at least. Short and sweet. (laughs) Well, short, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But, (laughs) uh, But, man, Josiah, dude, first off, it's an honor to be here. I love 
what you are doing with your community and uh, just your heart, you and Micah, and, and just the mission that you guys have. Um, just being intentional with with what the, the mission, the, the vision, the purpose, I think that God has given you and walking that out. So I just want to honor you with that and your listeners actually just listening because I, I, I know what it takes to actually get on calls like this or not even calls, I guess, just listening into these things. And sometimes we can just sit back and, and have it playing in the background. And, and it's just like uh, uh, something that uh, that we go through versus what I really want to encourage our listeners today, man, is to is to just be uh be proactive here, be intentional with, uh, with just listening to this and, and not only just listening, but actually receiving, because I really believe that God has a, a mission, a vision, a purpose for every single person. Yeah. Uh, I believe that every single person is an entrepreneur at the core, uh, which I'll get into that, man, uh, because we are made in the original entrepreneurs, the original undertaker that took this task at hand of what we're doing, where we're walking this life out and we get to co-create with him. I didn't know any of this though, man. When I, when I, uh, it's, this has really been like a, the last four years of just like God revealing himself to me in an incredible way. Um, because it was something that, that I, I was seeking Jesus as savior and not as Lord in my life. I, I like to joke around. So I grew up in South Dakota, man. And I, I, at the age of 16, I moved up to Minnesota, um, uh, just for, for a period of time because I was, Man, I was living the ways of the world. Uh, growing up, I was partying a ton. I was just doing a lot of stupid things uh, because there wasn't a whole lot to do in that community. And I found myself being a product of my environment. And so God literally plucked me out for a period of time. Um, and I like to joke around that I actually gave my life to entrepreneurship at the age of 15, uh, but my life to Christ at the age of 16. And it my life radically, radically stinking changed at that point in time, man. And it was it was just this new fire, this passion that I had of like, oh my gosh, um, this is just what I this is what I've been missing. And the the challenge though that I had, man, is that I was only a sophomore in high school at that time. And so I had to go back uh to the old environment that I was in. And, and I virtually, I had no friends my junior and senior year of high school because I was not the dude that I was before. I only had 45 kids in my class. And so it's not like there were a lot of options, right? And so it was a very difficult time, but God grew me through that season uh, incredibly well. And and I found myself, I actually moved up to Minnesota then. Uh, at the, I graduated at the age of 17. The day I graduated high school, bro, I drove to Minnesota and uh, I started to attend Normandale community college, man. Yes. And, and that was just such a special time in my life. Mm. I got plugged into this group, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, and built the most incredible relationships. Wow. Thing is that the, those guys that I built those relationships with at that point in time, I don't talk to any of them really anymore, but I do know, no, no question in my mind. I kind of like to joke around, but I just, I really feel like if I called any of them and I was like, Hey, I got to move a body. They're going to be like, are you driving or am I? Because it was just like a bond that we had built uh, that I think is just forever an, an eternal bond that we had built. And, and as, as we, I, I went to school for two years there. Um, I really started to dive into entrepreneurship more and more. I'd, I'd started to make a decent amount of money and um, I was very passionate about it, about building and creating things. Um, and I found myself again, back to putting myself in, circles that were more influential on me than I was on them. I was the, I was the thermometer, not the thermostat. If, if you've heard that reference before, like I was just a reflection of my environment, 
versus a thermostat actually adjusting and controlling the temperature of, of the room. And so what, what happened was, man, I started to make a, a decent amount of money at the age of, of 24. And um, I've, I was flying all over the country. I was building businesses. Uh, financially, things were incredible, but I was an absolute train wreck on the inside. I ended up going through a divorce, Josiah. I ended up um, just ridding any people of faith in my life uh, because it was it. I was again just being a product of the environment that I was putting myself in. I wasn't being intentional. I had, I had zero discipleship in my life. And thank God, this is how I just know He is so sovereign. He is so good, man. Uh, he never took His hand off of me. He allowed me. I was literally the prodigal son example here of like. I, I was going after the things of the world. I wanted what I wanted, when I wanted, where I wanted, how I wanted, with who I wanted. And I did all of it. And and at the age of, well, excuse me, four years ago, I'd remarried my 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 wife now, Ashley, who's incredible. Um, but we had just moved into a house on the lake. And from the outside looking in, I, this is what I heard a lot, man, was, man, it must be nice. It must be nice. And I remember just, you know, you, you just kind of smirk and you're like, you joke around a little bit with that, but I just remember so like the pit of my stomach, just like, if only you knew, like if mm. only you knew. And there's wow. this point of time, almost four years ago to the date, man, it was the fall of, of 2019. I was sitting on my couch and I was just like, I actually cried out to God again. And it was something I hadn't done in a long time. And I was like, God, is this it? Is this what like, do I even believe in you? Like, I know I had a radical experience and then it's like, how do I actually, how did I get to this point in my life? And is this what life is actually about just to build business, just to make money? And when I thought through this, Josiah, I think the biggest thing for me was as I started to make money, I remembered back to, man, the examples of the Christians that I grew up with uh, back in South Dakota, it was most of them. And I, I don't say this in like a negative way, but most of them, when I looked at them, they were broke, broken and defeated. And they were just like this victim, woe is me mentality. Uh, everything that I learned that if you had money, you were bad. Uh, you had to be of the world. You had to be greedy uh, because it was it was more noble to be in poverty. And and it was like something like that. That's what you have to do if you're a Christian. And so I teetered this line of like, can I even be a Christian? I realized this was simply a mindset that I had developed based upon, and I think all of us are products of our environment, based upon the, the mindsets of, that, that our parents have passed on to us or the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, right? We develop these neural pathways that just, we, we become who we're around. And and when I started to have this understanding of like, I, I cried out to God, and I'm like, God, is there, can I, can I actually be on fire for you? Can I, am I saved? Number one, just a question that I actually even had. Uh, do I even believe in that at, at that point in time? And then if I am, can I actually operate in what I believe is this God-given role, this calling of entrepreneurship to create? Can I do that and still love Jesus? Like with all my heart, like, can I, can I actually do that? And he started just to reveal incredible things. You put mentors in my life, um, but I had to become intentional with this, right? And I think all of us listening, if, you, if this isn't a path you're going to embark on, uh, wh whether it's anything, if you're looking to create a, a business, if you're looking to create a successful relationship, it takes intention. You have to put in the work to make this happen, right? And then knowing that you do your part, God ain't going to do your part. You got to do your part and he'll do the absolute rest, right? But it becomes that, that 
intention of like, okay, I'm committing, I'm, I'm deciding, I'm literally the root of it to decide means to cut off. You're cutting off any other options in your life. And I started to raise my hand, man, of just like, hey, is there anybody else out there in the business world that feels like this? Because I was a part of a number of different masterminds, right? Where we get together, we crush business, people are making millions and millions of dollars. And then they were going out and sleeping around. And, and it, I mean, it was just like, I did not want that for my life. I'd been there. I'd done that. It was awful. It was awful. And I realized that you can be incredibly successful at a lot of things, right? What, what the world would call success. I've got my definition de- definition of success, but what the world would call success, you can be incredibly successful and still, still feel like a failure if you're not acting for the God-given intended purpose of why you were created. And this is what it hit me. I realized I, I have a home gym. I've got a treadmill in my home gym, man. And that thing is incredibly successful at hanging my clothes. Super successful at, at hanging my clothes, right? But the, the original manufacturer for that thing has to be looking at that and being like, dude, that's not what I created it for. You were to get on that. You were to run on that treadmill, Right. And I think God looks at us the same way. It's like we can seek success doing things outside of why we were actually created. Right. And, and until we understand that, what that actual it, what what is the purpose of why we were created? I had to dive into the word of God. I'm like, OK, if I'm going to believe this thing, first off, I'm going to I got to read this thing in its entirety over and over and over again. I got to stay rooted in this. And I look to this thing as an instructional manual. If, I, if, if we actually approach the Bible, the word of God, because back to even the treadmill example, Josiah, man, the operator, the original manufacturer for our Nordic track treadmill, they give you an operating manual. There's plenty of warning signs. There's cautions within there. There's things to do, right? And if you do this, this will happen. The Bible is our operating manual. If we look to it into him as our original creator, and I've started to just realize all of these incredible principles and these truths that, that God has given us. And it, it just takes intention to actually start walking these things out. And, and there's nothing, there, there's, there's nothing more fruitful. There's nothing more fulfilling on, once you identify what that purpose is, right? And it, it's, it's pretty simple. It's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love the neighbor as ourselves. Like that's the greatest two commandments that we've been given, from there, though, it's like, how do I do that? Can I do that in business? And this is where, where I, I had to make the connection of, is my purpose to I just love God? I just worship him, right? If that's the case, and, and we're just supposed to preach the, the gospel, the good news, which I think is a part of what we're, we're called to do, right? But also, if that's the case, that's the only thing we should do. There'd be, it'd be pointless to do anything else other than that, right? But But we're called to make disciples, and we're called to actually take this kingdom culture, right? When Jesus returned, this this kingdom, he, he preached the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't even about salvation. It was just like the kingdom of heaven is here. So, so many of us, me included at the age of 16, how I started this out, I said, I was looking to Jesus as savior of my life. And I was not, I didn't have a clear understanding of lordship in my life. And until that became clear to me, man, I was continually grinding and hustling and trying things on my own effort versus actually coming to God and and not praying my will be done, but his will be done. My will falls into alignment with what his call and will is on my life. And that man has been what's, what's really just unlocked me 
to ultimately form the King's Council, as you mentioned now, and our, our whole heart and mission. I've got multiple companies that are, that are still making money, which is fantastic. It affords me the ability to pour into kingdom entrepreneurs and truly, as, as you mentioned, provide the tool systems, frameworks and things, but really disciple entrepreneurs. That's my, my sole m- mission, vision, purpose, and what I know God has put me on this, this earth for, at least for this time being. This is the the, the mandate that, that I've been given, and, and we're running hard with this thing, man, to ultimately bring kingdom culture back into the marketplace, uh, to be influential, to be the provision for the God-given vision of the church. That's epic. It's epic, right? <laughs> And I, I think that one of the things that you're talking about actually too is first intentionality. And I think that in the life of any leader, um, the hardest person that we lead is ourself and submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is going to help because it's no longer us that live, but it's him in us. And I think at the same time, um, this tribe, I think of so many people are isolated. So many people um, that are actually prone to leadership. They they get good at doing things or leading teams. Um, but there's this adage that leadership can be lonely and it certainly can, but I would just say it doesn't have to be. And I think for the person, Riley, it's off script, but I mean, how important is a tribe? Oh my gosh, man. I, I, you can heard in just my little short testimony there, like every, every, main adjustment or or pivot in my life was based upon who I was surrounding myself with. And here's the thing, every single one of you guys listening to this right now has greatness inside of you. There are seeds of greatness inside every one of us because greatness made us, right? And we are made in his image. We are image bearers of him. The number one determinant though of if that seed is ever going to take root like there's, there's one thing, the number one determinant of if that seed will ever take root in any of your lives is what you're surrounding that seed with, right? Is it in good soil? Are, are you fertilizing it? Are you, are you surrounding it? Are, are you pulling weeds out of your life? That's a big one. That was a big one in my, in my life. Like I had to get rid of some people. There's some pruning things that had to take place. I had to get in the sunlight. I had to be in the word of God that had, had to have be watered daily, by spending time, by listening to podcasts like, th- like this, and then forging that community uh, of like-mind-setted individuals. And I say like-mind-setted specifically because I, I don't think it's it, it's not in any of our best interest to be around those that only think like us, like-minded. Yep. Right? Yep. But if we can be mind-setted in that what I believe as an entrepreneur, as for anybody, if, if we are growth-minded, Right, we the, we're, we either growing or we are dying. Up until the day that Jesus calls us home, man, you are either growing or you are dying. And so, I want to continually be progressing. I want to continually be be trailblazing as entrepreneurs do. And so, if if we surround ourselves with those like mindsetted people, we can have differences of opinions. We can have differences of of how things are going to work better or worse. But at the end of the day, we have one goal and mission is that is growth. That is for kingdom advancement. We are continually taking territory for the kingdom culture. Again, kingdom obviously being God's rule and reign. Jesus is king, okay, kingdom. To break those two down, the D-O-M, the suffix simply is a state or a being, right? Like, Like boredom, stardom, freedom. There's kingdom. It's from a verb tense. It is God's continual rule and reign in our life. So as a kingdom entrepreneur, that's that's like my, my main focus and, and mission, as I mentioned here, is to create this culture into the marketplace 
to be the most influential people. At the end of the day, most Christian entrepreneurs kind of weak sauce, unfortunately, <laughs> Josiah. And, and, but but our my goal is to just to create this community here, which we're doing it. It's happening. We're creating these righteous, epic entrepreneurs that are on fire for Jesus. We have one goal in mind, that is to love the Lord our God, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor. And how we do that is what we coach and, and what we really disciple on, on how to actually carry that kingdom culture into the marketplace. And what about, I mean, so many, uh, I, I would fit into this camp for sure, which is why I'm asking this next question, but so many of the young leaders that I know are idea people. They they move from idea to implementation pretty, I mean, decently fast. But when it comes to you, you've started nine businesses, scaled different things. How do you know when an idea is good enough to last or when it's just an exciting new thought and ultimately a distraction? Oh, that's such a great question, man. So there's there's plenty of great ideas, right? There's there, and I'm like the epitome of this of shiny object syndrome, <laughs> right? Where it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And it's like, oh, right. that's a great idea. And now I'm doing like 40 different things poorly, yep. right? Not in excellence, right? And this is where I think what how we can actually be. Uh, difference makers, how we can operate differently is, is in excellence in everything that we do. We're called to do that, right? If we're ambassadors for Christ, we got to be excellent at everything that we do. doesn't mean you have to be the best in that field, but the product, the service, everything that you're putting out has to be incredible, has to be excellence, the customer experience, everything along those lines. Now, that being said, how do I know? A lot of people will tell you, I remember hearing this growing up, that if you follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. Okay, and when I originally heard that, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But then I realized that, man, when I first heard that, I was passionate about the Green Bay Packers, right? It's like, that ain't going to make me any money, right? And I know a lot of passionate people. My wife loves to hold babies. She volunteers at at uh, at, at uh, Zoe, right, to, to hold babies in, in the ministry, she ain't making any money doing that. So you got to work a day in your life. So I, I think it's hogwash. It's terrible advice. Now, if you can find something that you truly love and can make money, then great. But here's what I've always done, man, is I've followed opportunities, but I've always brought my passion with me. And I think this is the biggest thing. I, you mentioned I have, I have multiple companies. I'm not passionate about most of those, but I did see a need in the marketplace I saw where I think Wayne Gretzky said it said it best. It's like it wasn't that he was the the uh, the best hockey player, but he 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 was always skating not to where the puck currently is, but where it was heading, right? Oh, and, and because he had that mindset and that that um, understanding, he was always there, right? He was always there to be able to to slap it in, but um, slap it in. I'm not a hockey guy, but I remember that quote. <laughs> is yes, that what I love that. Slap it I in. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but in entrepreneurship, it's the same way. And initially that can feel overwhelming where it's like, gosh, well, how do I even pick what, I don't know what, what to, what to even do here. And I think this is so important that opportunities are, are, they're a lot like the, the bus station, right? The, mm -hmm. like the bus is at the bus station. There's always opportunities. There's always, they're, they're coming around every single day. Now you have to just choose. You have to decide to get on the bus at some point. Right. If you're just sitting at the bus stop, not actually your, your analysis paralysing something because you're not sure if it's the best one, if it's the right one, if it's uh, it, maybe that's the wrong one. God, what do I do? And we, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. 
and we never actually take action. And here's something that I've always lived by, Josiah, is that action brings clarity. It's an, okay. it's an ABC. Action brings clarity. Now, it could be clarity in the fact like, oh, that was a bad idea. But at least you found out quicker than not taking action, right? Obviously, there's wisdom in this and, and understanding like, okay, maybe don't go uh, second mortgage your home to go start this grandiose idea. Seek wisdom. Look for look for somebody that's maybe gone before you, right? And 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 be cautious on this though as well. I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer that we always need to inspect the fruit uh, in other people's lives before we just attach onto them because a lot of people are big talkers. But when you actually inspect the fruit, like is it actually real? Have they actually produced this? Especially in the business coaching world, everybody wants to tell you what you should do. Meanwhile, have they ever done it? And my philosophy is, man, I'm never going to give somebody advice on something that I haven't done first. Uh, wow. At least I'm going to at least preface it with that of like, this is what I think would work, but I don't know. Okay. And, 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 and that's just been a model that, I, that I've kind of lived by. But when it comes back to just taking action and, and, just making a decision and start to actually move the needle a little bit. And it doesn't have to be something drastic. One of the things that, that we do, or I always coach people on is to do a mini SWOT analysis. Yeah. Are you familiar with strengths, weaknesses, yeah. opportunities, threats? Yeah. And I, I love it when just to do it on yourself, because this is such an easy thing to do. Uh, and, and then also have others do it on you. And this can be, this is a vulnerable thing that you have to be willing and, and be ready to receive that information without pride and ego, uh, because you can maybe feel some things, but also there could be some things revealed of like, oh, you really think that I'm, I'm great with people. You really think that I'm, you know, whatever that feedback is, it's such a great thing to then know, okay, I have certain giftings. I have certain talents in, in some areas, I'm not very good at administration or something like that. So it's just like, all right, well, what do we have? And, and the reason I, I say that, Josiah, I just, I love when Jesus fed the 5,000 and it was such a simple thing. It was, it was okay, we get, well, there was a need in the marketplace, right? They're like, they had 5,000, not including the women and children. So but we're talking thousands of people here. And, and I, I think it was Philip. Uh, he was like, geez, this is like eight months wages. And I think our our mind immediately goes. We have a Philip mindset, and this is like he was looking at the 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 need based upon our ability, right? It wasn't it wasn't what Jesus could do. He's literally doing life with Jesus, and he's like, "That's going to take eight months' wages." And Jesus is like, "Well, what do we have? What do we have? Oh, the little boy is five and two. It's great. Here, here's what they did." Jesus took them, right? They gave them to Jesus. Jesus gave thanks, blessed them, and then distributed it. And it fed more than enough to the fact there's 12 baskets left over, which I just think is share, just shows the, the comical side of, of Jesus because there's happened to be 12 disciples that are carrying baskets left over, like having to think on this next walk, like how in the heck did this do this? It's like a reminder, like, hey, he is our source. He is our source. If your resources as an entrepreneur will change time and time again, but your source will never change. And this is it just with that, with that understanding, it's like, all right, God, well, what do you have? What do I have? So many of us are seeking outside of ourselves for, for that, that new idea, the new, like, I want to be a, okay, a click funnel guy. I'm going to, oh, now I'm going to go uh, buy this franchise. And it's like, I, th I think God just wants us to come alongside him 
Okay, as the original creator, we are called to co-create with him. This is what ha- took place in Genesis. The problem is, as as culturally, what's happened is business ideas and entrepreneurship has been removed from the church. And, and what we need to do is bring it back within the church and just understand this is a kingdom concept, right? In, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15, it still just blows my mind to even think about it, Josiah, when God created Adam and then he created, uh, the animals were being created and he pulled Adam aside and he's like, hey, what do you want to name them? What do you want to name them? Like that 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 tall neck thing over there. He's like, I don't know, a giraffe, right? Like it, God wants us to be involved in this process. He does, but we're not going to him for that. So it's uh, back to like, I don't have an idea. What do you have? Do a quick little spot analysis. Ask God, go to our source first. Okay, is there is there something you're burning within me, Lord? Is there a relationship within me that can help give me some guidance? And then just start to take action. And here's, here's the biggest thing, Josiah. If you're an entrepreneur, your first business will not be your last business. Write it down and remember that because it will change. It, it's going to change. Okay. I've started numerous ones. We've had some big hits. I've had some some total losers, total losers, right? But action brings clarity, but reaction reveals character. If And this is the understanding. My, the philosophy I've had to take on, dude, is that there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. That's good. And it, if, if I'm like, okay, well, that, you know, that sucked. <laughs> that, that tank, that wasn't a good idea. I at least got feedback. Back to, I, I, I know what not to do now. First brick and mortar business I purchased, train wreck. I never worked harder in my life, made so little in my life. Would I ever take it back? Not You could offer me a million dollars right now. I would never take that back because the principles, the the, the things that I learned, the hard knocks of, of taking this task on were, were incredibly uh, uh, advantageous for me. Of that's, That helped just create who I am today. And so, just take action. If yeah. Figure out something you want to do. Just start to take action. Be willing to to pivot, but get clear on the vision. Okay, yeah. the vision that, that we have should be uh, why we're doing or why we're doing what we're doing. If we can get clear on that, we know that the goals and in, in the 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 path that we take to fulfill the vision can adjust. GPS is going to adjust us multiple times, right? God will God will take us on different paths and different routes. Uh, we just got to be clear on the vision of why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. What was the brick and mortar business? Oh man, it was an anytime fitness. Was it really? Yes, down in Burnsville, bro. Not uh, not too far. Yeah, it's still in business. Um, I, I I purchased it. I was 24. I'd made a decent amount of money. It was, so it was like my first like I'm going into business. Yeah. Uh, I took it, got an SBA loan. I was able to have the seller finance a portion of it. So I didn't have to come up with a ton of money down. Um, but I learned a lot like, sure. oh, what, like, what is it that, how to read a financial statement early on um, and where the previous owner hid certain things, uh, yeah. which I realized, okay, well, had I been a little bit more um, knowledgeable on this or I seeked out mentorship on this, I would have maybe got myself uh, not into such a bad situation, but it all worked out, right? It's just down. What's that? Did you sell it? I did. Yes. So finally in, I think 20, 
14, I was able to to exit that bad boy. Two, 2009-ish, I think is when I bought it. Yeah, so five years. Amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things that I, I just have realized is um, there's such a steep barrier to entry sometimes. Like, it is incredibly stressful. I mean, just to take the Anytime Fitness, for example, to do a brick and mortar, all the, all the equipment, there's a cost of customer acquisition, there's marketing, there's rent, there's space, lease, all of it. But I, I look at that's a steep barrier to entry. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've found is like, if you can decrease the barrier to entry to whatever you're passionate about and, and to almost like beta test the idea, the way that I think I've done this or my wife and I have done this is like having a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. that maybe pays your family's income or or some of your benefits draw from that and then test out your other idea five to nine. And it's harder with like kids, um, but even young adults today, um, our ministry, we were actually leading a different ministry first. It was a campus ministry at Normandale Community College. And so we had income and this was just a passion side project of a podcast and leader conferences and camps for young adults. And we beta tested a few of the ideas, never thinking that it would be our full-time deal, but God had other plans. But I, I just think even before that, I was on staff at a church, but saw a college campus in our backyard, 15,000 students, very little was um, being done to disciple or evangelize the campus. And so kind of at nighttime, just, and and I think that for the listener, one of the things that you could maybe do, maybe you're working a job at the Mall of America nine to five, but you've got some free time five to nine to Uber or to Lyft or to DoorDash. And that could be a first template of entrepreneurship. And then maybe you test out your other idea. Maybe it's a book or a podcast. But instead of going all in, those two words, you do want to be all in with excellence and with commitment and with discipline. But um, all in from a monetary standpoint is such a steep barrier to entry. And um, I think that God does ask us to jump out of the airplane sometimes. It's perfectly good. And there is moments where he asks us to take a leap of faith. But I just found that one concept of having a five uh, five to nine, having a nine to five, and maybe it's like your income is doing great and you're not passionate about it, maybe you can volunteer, invest in youth, invest in kids or young people or serve or coach or do a side project. And maybe you're like we were where your income is lower, but your passion is really high. Maybe your side hustle or your startup this year is going to be something that can boost the income and and grow your life and your future that way. But Riley, talk about one of the things you shared with me is this idea of money exchanging hands and mm-hmm. different cultures approach this with different mindsets, but talk about money changing hands and this economic exchange idea. Yeah, man, this is what really fires me up. Um, and I think the reason for the King's Council, as I, as I mentioned, it's like, hey, I want to I know God's called us to to disciple entrepreneurs, but there's a reason why. And um, I was made known of the the lack of loyalty that we have amongst fellow believers um, and started to dive into this and realize that uh, part of our, our mission is, is to, to forge the kingdom economy, right? Now, kingdom, we remember God's rule and reign, and then economy, 
like what is what is an actual economy now most nations when they're when they're actually um uh rated on the the economic uh, health of of a nation whether it's the united states or canada we, we have what's called the gross domestic productivity the gdp yeah 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 and and the crazy thing about this is the key word in this is productivity a nation isn't even measured based upon how much fake money they've printed, which is a lot lately. Uh, it's not how much gold they're sitting on. It is how productive are they? Fascinating. And this comes back to what I believe is our original mandate, what the, 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 what I consider the kingdom entrepreneur mandate. We are called to be fruitful, be productive, right? We are called to, to multiply, to, to now actually multiply that productivity into subdue this or to actually have dominion. And, and if we understand that what that actually means from an economic level, it's it's more than just making babies, right? To be fruitful, to multiply. Yes, that is a part of it. But this is back, remember, this is before the fall. So this is like kingdom culture, what we talked about. It's like, this is now what God gave us this mandate. He's like, man, I made all these things. It's great. It's day six, he made us. It's very good. And now, bam, these, this original mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, have dominion, and it's not just about making babies, because if that's what it was, we're, we're making babies. But why don't why don't we have dominion? Why why aren't kingdom entrepreneurs? Why aren't Christians the most influential people in the marketplace? At the end of the day, we're not, and it's because we're not operating with the God given intended principles and purposes that he, He's actually given us. And the crazy thing, the frustrating thing, Josiah, is that many other faiths and religions are hmm. the. Muslim community, so that those of Islamic faith, they are so loyal and intentional to each other that they will choose to do business with each other. Meaning, if I'm going to buy a product or a service, I'm going to I'm going to choose to do somebody to, to go order. Uh, say I'm I, I'm seeking out a mechanic. I'm going to go find a person of my faith to sew into. The Muslim community exchanges hands. 14 to 16 times, $1 exchanges hands 14 to 16 times before it ever leaves outside of their faith. The Jewish community is 10 to 13 times, right? Meaning this is why they're, they're loyal. This is why, I mean, it's kind of a, a preconceived thing, like why those of Jewish faith are have so much money. It's like they're operating because they're so intentional. God's called us to actually sow on good soil, Right. And so, so why in the world, the Christian economy, man, here, here, here's what this number is. It's disgusting. It's zero to one. Zero to one. That means that when I'm choosing that mechanic, I'm looking for the cheapest thing possible. I don't care about what faith their religion they are or anything along those lines. I just usually want what's the cheapest. And that's where I think the enemy has done an incredible job. I hate giving him any credit but he's good at what he does. And that's infiltrating the minds of believers. That's what he did from the beginning, the original sin. It wasn't that he didn't make Eve do anything. He didn't, nothing was made, but he dropped a little bit of seed of doubt. And, and the Bible gives us a clear understanding, a clear uh, directive that we cannot serve both God and mammon. And mammon is the spirit of money, the, the power that we give it. And the enemy has done an incredible job at infiltrating that within the church that causes us to, to hold on to things so tight. Any money that we get that we're, we just don't even want to, heck, most of us don't even tithe. 
which is a biblical principle, and, and let alone give above and beyond, let alone choose to do business with somebody, a, a brother or sister in, in faith that hopefully would receive that money and then tithe and then give above and beyond. And you see this happening. Just the, the principle of this is, is ridiculous, man, because you see this within, even in the Minneapolis community, man, those of the Islamic faith over the last few years, dominating. I mean, they're they're completely coming into cities, yeah. and within three years, they completely take over the culture in that city. You, we see this, right? You can probably think of a couple right in the Minneapolis metro where it's like, man, oh my gosh, how do they do this? They do this by being intentional with their dollars, being provision for each other. You don't even have to believe in in, in God for this to work. You just have to believe in math, right? It's it's such a simple thing. The crazy thing is though. As believers, we should be, we have every advantage possible to us, right? If, if we really believe the Bible, we really believe that that the Bible is the, the one and true faith, the only way to receive salvation is through Jesus, and then all these principles are true, then why aren't we operating in these things? Why, why wouldn't we be? Because if we did, dude, the statistics on this of, of if even just every Christian actually tithed, Self, every self-professed Christian, I, I, I put this, these are numbers that are in my book, man. See if I can pull them up. Um, every self-professed Christian, if we tithed in America, this is America only, it was like 209 million self-professed Christians, which we know that's not real. That 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 was that would be like me uh 10 years ago when I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, right? Wow. I don't know what that means really, but we know that that's not real. But if we actually tithed, it would be $520 billion, $520 billion, like which, which literally takes care of every single issue that we have. Every, every church, there's three over 380,000. This is from 2019 where I got these numbers, but over 380,000 churches in America, their full budget would be, would be fulfilled. They, they wow. wouldn't have to worry about, you know, raising money for youth group or anything like that. Uh, global hunger, 26 billion dollars eliminate illiteracy 12 billion dollars everybody in the entire world could have clean water for 15 billion dollars and there'd still be like 400 billion dollars left over if we just tithed that's the it's it's so crazy and that's just natural when god then puts his super on our natural dude that's when multiplication takes place that's when five fish or five loaves and two fish become thousands and thousands of, of provisions that that's needed. Right. And I think back to this kingdom economy, if we became intentional with, okay, I'm going to, sow my, I'm, I'm going to sow into my brother's business because he is going to be intentional on, on tithing and sowing in. And now we're creating culture, a kingdom culture that actually can, can financially be the provision for the vision of the church. There's incredible missions, missionaries out there. There's incredible church leaders out there that I think have are so vision focused but the number one enemy of every vision is lack of provision. Mm. The reality is we can't serve both God and money. And the only way that I've actually determined who I'm serving is asking myself, who is dictating the decision? Yeah. Is it, is it God or is it mammon? And this is like, even when, when you get that, like, man, we just did kingdom builders at Zoe. When, when somebody was like, uh, oh my gosh, I don't, uh, is that number real or is that just like bad spaghetti that I ate last night? God, I don't, I, I don't even have that in my bank account. How can I actually do that? Fill up mindset. Like that's eight months thing. And all of a sudden 
are we serving God or are we serving mammon in that situation? And it's just, you got to ask yourself, it's a hard reality. And that it's even, even to the fact that if we think we're being good stewards by buying the cheapest, probably mm-hmm. crappiest product out there, even though I could go to my brother who's a dollar more, but we think that's good stewardship. No, no, no. You've just been deceived. You are now sowing on bad soil, right? Pour into your brother and sister in Christ. And now they can multiply that money. And ultimately, we know that God gives seed to the sower, right? It's, it's so, so many of us, though, unfortunately, are eating our seed and we're not continually sowing it to continually get more seed. Man, I uh, I think that's so actionable and so practical for myself, Mike and I, for us to sit down and just ask the question, where are we spending our money? And um, I can think of some, I think a part of it is excellence because th- there is Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, a few of these yeah. just phenomenal on mission, like they close in and out. They, they're maybe not in and out, but Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby, they're closed on Sundays. They really embody Christian values in, in the economy that you don't need to be a Christian to shop there. They're just providing excellent goods, excellent services, excellent meals, saying things like my pleasure, just going the extra mile that even in the best of the best Disney Ritz Carlton, it's like they haven't even reinvented a better way to say a response to thank you. Like they've adopted my pleasure. So I think of like, there's some really excellent and and we love Chick-fil-A. We love going there, but I'm thinking of small businesses like um, our handyman. I love it. I I hate it when there's stressful, like something goes out, but we love when Al comes over and fixes something because I love it when he's in our house. He's great with our kids, um, but we're supporting a Christian entrepreneur. I think of our auto mechanic. We send so many people there because he's just doing it right, Riley. He's just, he's doing it really well. Um, We're we're glad to say like so many people are like, we're new in town. Our car broke down. Where should we send it? You've got to go to Tory. And and so I think that, but I would just say for the listener, think about, um, and it might cost a little bit more of a premium, but you know what? It actually might. I know for a fact, our auto mechanic, it's like when our AC went out this summer. If we would have went to somebody else, 1500 bucks guaranteed. But he yeah. just goes, no, 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 this was free on. This is a couple hundred bucks. And so sometimes... The, the thought is, oh, no, no, it's going to cost me more money. Sometimes they're doing business right and honesty and integrity. It might save you money, but at the end of the day, whether it costs you money or saves you money to support God's kingdom, families, businesses, um, I would just say be thoughtful, be yeah. intentional to go back to that word about where you're sowing and spending your money. Riley, one of the things I've just got to have you talk about is and it's in your book, The Kingdom Entrepreneur. But you broke down this for me when we were at coffee, and my mind was blown. Seven days, the creation account. Talk about God's blueprint for creating. Go there for a minute. Okay. Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to keep this in a couple minutes, man. Because I can go, I can go along on this because it's so fascinating, dude. It's so I get so excited about this. Now back to being an entrepreneur. Okay. Why, why in the world, if I'm if I'm looking to build something, if I'm looking to start something, any of you that are entrepreneur want to become an entrepreneur, or even maybe you're even in a, a struggling relationship right now, whether it's a friend or, or a spouse, mm. it's like, why wouldn't we? And that's the crazy thing about this, Josiah. 
if you want to have a, a good relation or a great relationship, excuse me, you want to have a great business, why wouldn't we follow the original blueprint that God gave us? And these are just the things I think that we overlook and we just read them as like, oh, it's history, right? Or, or uh, you know, it's it's kind of this weird thing. Like, I don't even know. We don't, we don't actually think about what we think about, right? And as Christians, I think it's sometimes important for us to just audit our thoughts. Like, yeah. why do I think the way I think about these things? And then go into the operating manual and start right in the beginning, bro. Like right in Genesis chapter one, we've been given a blueprint on how to create. Now break this down for, for those that are are maybe taking quick notes here. Uh, your, your homework would be to go read Genesis chapter one and think through how you can implement this blueprint into your, your own business, right? Or any of your relationships. So uh First off, it says God spoke everything into existence, right? I think that's just something that is so key, right? And this isn't like, um, I mean, the world will tell you like uh, the secret, if you remember that book that went around and it's like, speak it into life. And absolutely, there, there's there's reality in that, right? Because we are, every single one of us are energy beings and we're, we're casting energy based upon who we are because God from the beginning, spoke everything to an ex- to, into existence. It said this, the spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. If you just like think about that, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, I just think how incredible is our creator, man. It's so amazing. And then the first thing that it says, God said, let there be light. Now, when I first read this, the, the, the first thing that pops in my mind, what, what was the first thing when you hear light, Josiah, that pops in your mind? Sunrise? Sunrise, right? Yeah, right. But as I continue to read, I realized the sun wasn't even created until day four. So it's like, what in the world? Now, also, when you read further into scripture, the New Testament says God is light. Mm. It's like, well, how, what, how does that work? If God is light, why did God say, let there be light? Was he like, 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 what was he doing in that situation? And what he was doing was casting what I believe was his vision for ultimately creation right? Let there be light. And science actually actually backs this up. I love it when science catches up with creation, man. It's so incredible. They, 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 if you look this up, the galaxy, the universe as we know it is still expanding today at the speed of light. God said, let there be light. And he was casting his vision for what ultimately he was going to be creating. So in business, in your relationship, Cast that vision. What is that vision? Because your vision, if it's, if it's not strong enough, coming back to like, what is the idea that I have? Uh, and I mentioned before, you're going to have multiple ideas, multiple resources, but the source has to absolutely stay the same. And that vision is like, Lord, I, I don't know what this looks like, but I want to be, I want to be freed up financially so I can have the time to, mm-hmm. to go to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. Like that should be part of any of our, our vision. Right. And the reality is it takes a lot of money to, to have those. That's just the reality. And if you live in the United States of America, you are in the top one percent of, of fi- financially. I don't care if you make 20 grand a year right now. You are rich. You're loaded. Now, culturally, things might look weird. You don't think that when you go to Chick-fil-A and it's like 17 bucks now, like what the heck? Right. But understand you have been given a responsibility like no other. If you have the ability in America that people over in India, people over in, in Myanmar, like they they don't have the opportunities that we have here. And this is where I think as entrepreneurs, we have to take this so incredibly 
like this is we're going to be called we're going to be held accountable for everything that we've done on this earth and we have things and resources available that other people don't so what are we doing with them not again getting off a uh, uh, sidetrack josiah but coming back to this vision all right god said let there be light he cast this vision and his vision was so strong if we actually read the bible and it's like god is alpha and omega he's beginning and he's all-knowing he, he's i am he knew and he knows what everything is going to happen. So he knew upon creation, creating Adam and Eve, eventually, like we were going to fall. He knew that, but he still did it. Why in the world? And this is why, man, I really believe his vision gave any sort of pain purpose. Mm-hmm. Your vision as a business owner, your vision for your marriage is going to give any pain purpose. And if that vision is not clear, if you're on rocky foundation, if you're like, I just not, I don't know yet, you're going to need to spend some time with this, right? Because the vision of the household is just as important as the vision of, of running a business, or maybe you're you're in a startup mode. Like, what is, what's the point of doing this? Because it's going to get hard, it's going to suck, right? If it was easy, everybody would do it. But is your vision strong enough where you're going to, you're going to push forward, you're going to do this because you know, God has called you to do this in your life. Day one, vision. Okay, day two, it says God actually uh, separated the heavens from the earth, right? He created what, what we've heard of as the firmament. I don't even know what the heck that was. But as I dove into this, it's like he created the atmosphere. Hmm. And as as I think relate this into the business or even in our home life, it's the it's the culture that you've created there. Is it, what is it like? Is it when, when your employees are coming in or when even your vendors, maybe you're a solopreneur right now, like do your vendors like you? Do they, do they want to be a part of your mission, vision, and purpose? When you come home, do your kids run to you or do they hear the door slam and they're running to their bedroom? Does your wife want to come up and give you a kiss, right? Or your husband, whatever that situation is, what's the culture like? Okay. And, and the beautiful thing, we serve a God of structure and order. And every single one of these days of creation had to happen in this order in order for us to to actually be where we are right now, right? Because day three, then it says that God actually peeled back the waters. He created land and vegetation. As I was thinking through this, I'm like, why did he have to do that? And it's the reality is, is he, if he just rushed to create us, we wouldn't have air to breathe. We wouldn't have, you know, the vegetation had to take place so that Carbon dioxide could be created into oxygen so that we had a, a we could actually live. There was structure in our life, right? So we have vision, we have atmosphere, we have structure. And then day four is when, as I mentioned, he created the sun, the moon, the stars. It says that he placed them in the sky for, for seasons to occur, right? This is order. This is now the implementation of the structure, Right. This is where how we get the time on a 24 hour period. So just a quick from a business standpoint, your structure is going to be like your daily playbook. Like, are, are you running a structure? Do you know what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it? The order then is the implementation of it. Like, is this actually happening? Am I, am I running the place? Right. And, and the, the, the reason if, if you're going to multiply your business, you're going to scale at some point, you need your SOPs, you need the, an understanding of who does what, where, so that you can exit the business and you don't own, you actually own the business, the business doesn't own you. Right. That's kind of the goal of this from a time and freedom standpoint. After order, okay, we have day five, which is what I consider momentum. And the reason this is where it gets really freaking exciting, Josiah. First off, 
God's just so good. He's created this, this atmosphere, this culture, the ability for us to breathe. He's now, we have time in place. And now he creates, before he even creates us, he creates the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And it's like, wh- why? And as he, I started to dive into this more, it's like, well, uh, of course, the the birds had to, they, they were flying, they were defecating, aka fertilizing the vegetation uh, that they would eat the fish that then would fertilize even the, uh, the defecation would fertilize the coral reefs. So the fish had something to even eat. And now there was just like a circle of life that was actually starting to take place. And it, and it finally could. And the crazy thing in our business, this is like, if you have multiple divisions of your company, is it marketing, it's sales, it's maybe HR, uh, whatever it is, is there momentum that's actually taking place? Is there communication that's actually taking place here? Uh, for example, if if you're trying to do marketing, you got a marketing and a sales team and, and marketing isn't creating leads, sales team's going to be unhappy, right? The whole business is going to struggle and vice versa. Maybe leads are created, but sales aren't converting. Now there, there's no momentum that can actually take place, right? Because ultimately that has to happen in order for us to get to day six, which should be multiply, multiplication, right? So God actually created then the, the rest of the animals and then he created us. And from a business standpoint, this is where I believe if we've got the vision, the atmosphere, the structure, the order, we've got momentum. Now we can start to scale this thing. We can grow this thing. We can be fruitful. We can multiply, subdue this earth, have actual kingdom culture dominion. And then day seven, which is the Sabbath. Right. And this is just as important. I learned this the hard way, Josiah, because my my original intent in entrepreneurship was like, I, I'm grinding, I'm hustling, I'm going to outwork anybody in the room. That was like what I prided myself on. Uh, and I never my, my philosophy was like, dude, I will work when I'm dead. Like I'm I'm going to grind this thing out and I'm going to I'm just going to continue to crush until burnout. It's a real thing. Right. Yeah. And God, the incredible how incredible he is that. He clearly, if you think about this, even creation, do you think God like just got tired? He's like, oh gosh, that was a, six days of creating. It's a lot of work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest now. No, no, no. Scripture tells us that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it's like, oh my gosh, God, he's so thought, he thought through everything. He knew where we were gonna fall. He knew we would grind, we would hustle. And he's like, you have to take time to rest, but also it's a period of just reflection and 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 honor of him right i think this this is so big even with it, it we like the tithe it's just like it's a form of honor it's a form of worshiping him and it's not that we you can't do things on the sabbath but you're 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 not actively creating things right god created for 6 days and then everything at that point in time he he created gave us the sabbath this is a framework for us now to co-create with him right? Everything since the beginning of time till now, God didn't recreate things. He he actually, Exodus was the first, uh, throughout the Bible, the first um, reference of the of the, the spirit, God's spirit coming upon us is when they were building the, 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 um, the Ark of the Covenant. And I, when I read this, dude, I was like, holy smokes. It said that God's spirit had to come upon them to, to design this thing, to, to actually build this thing out. I'm like, that is entrepreneurship at the core, right? God did not give us this table that I'm that I'm sitting at right now. He gave us a tree. And then man began to co-create with him, 
right? He didn't give us uh, a car. He gave us oil in the ground. And then we started to co-create and how to create metal and, and, and uh, rubber. And, and it's like we created this with the original creator. And if we follow this blueprint, man, it, it works. It literally works every single time. It's a foolproof blueprint. And the beautiful thing is if you're already in business or if you are uh, in a relationship right now, I love to just do a snapshot. When I when I onboard somebody as like a new um, new client or somebody, I, we do a snapshot where it's like, where are we at here? Because it's 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 really simple to diagnose where things are falling apart. For example, we'll just business aside, we'll take this into a relationship. Let's say maybe you and your spouse are struggling a little bit, um, and there's no momentum. We'll call it right. And so what I mean by that is like, there's no date nights that are, that are not happening. There's just not, there's, we can't, we seem like we're in a funk, right? So every single time, what I'm going to say is let's go back to the previous day. Then have you implemented order? Have you actually scheduled? Are you going on dates? Number one. Okay. If you aren't, then we go to structure. Have you actually put it in the calendar? Is there a playbook that every Wednesday we're doing this or every Friday or whatever that is every other week, every other month, we're doing a weekend getaway, whatever that is. If, if you haven't, then the, <clears throat> let's go back to the culture, the atmosphere in, in your home. What is it like? Do you guys, uh, it, are you guys on the same page with wanting to implement structure and order into your, in momentum? And, and if not, then it comes back to vision and, and coming back everything. If you backtrack this thing, man, everything is going to come back to that ultimate vision of what we have. And then how we implement it is we create the atmosphere the structure, implement the structure into order, create momentum to actually multiply, never though forgetting about the importance of rest and taking an actual Sabbath. That's the seven-day blueprint, Josiah. Riley, the seven-day blueprint fires me up from vision to culture to structure to order to momentum, multiplication, and then rest and Sabbath. I love it. And I'm thinking about the listener starting out a new year, and maybe they want to grow deeper. They want to become, as a person, more like Christ and, and just pursue personal growth. And maybe wherever they're at on that template, maybe they want more resources. Um, talk about maybe masterminds or courses that they could be a part of with King's Council. Yeah, man. Thank you. So, you know, this is this is my heart with this. We've The King's Council, by the way, this is a complete nonprofit. Um, every dollar that comes into this thing is getting deployed to epic things. Uh, and, um, and, and so this isn't like my, a, a business. I have my other businesses. This is just like a, a full on, this is what we're doing. So we, we've got a lot of resources, uh, for that, that entrepreneur wanting to become an entrepreneur. Uh, we have a small group curriculum actually laying out the seven day blueprint that we just went through, um, over eight separate courses. That's completely free, um, uh, that we're resourcing people up. And so, um, it's, we have an app, uh, and, uh, people can actually go to that. Um, if, if it's all right, man, that they can just text me seven, two, seven, four, seven, two, three, eight, six, zero. Um, if they just text, uh, King K I N G, um, we'll get them access to the, an app that they can download and get access to all sorts of resources. Also, um, uh, just a community back to what we started about talking, man, like such an epic community across the entire country that is, has come into this vision of, of kingdom advancement that I really believe is going to take place through entrepreneurship, right? And, and from a, a, how we preach the gospel, how, how we spread the good news 
also bringing what I would consider the, the wealth of the world back into the kingdom to be the provision for the ultimate vision of the church and operating in with that mindset and mentality. Um, I'm just so excited, man, for, for uh, what God has in store for entrepreneurs, especially, especially now when there's so many opportunities out there uh, and culture tells us one thing, but when we get into alignment with, with his will, for our life, and you get around those like mindsetted people, man, it is freaking incredible. So, so fun just to be a part of that community. Amazing. If you want to take the next step and join the app and join the course, we will link those from the King's Council and from Riley in the show notes today. You can check it out on YouTube. You can check it out at the app and also in the show notes. And Riley, I'm just grateful for you. And thanks so much for pouring into the startup series at FYI. Absolutely, Josiah. This has been fun, man. It's just, uh, again, an honor to what you guys are doing um, and just the movement that you guys, you and Micah have, have created. Love it. Love you. Love you too. So grateful. This is the FYI Podcast.